Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping those organizations accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. So we're really excited about our guest here today, today, which is Ryan England. He's the CEO and founder of Core Matters. He's passionate about supporting growing businesses to build amazingly productive companies, providing coaching and training on attracting, hiring, and retaining rockstar employees using his proven process, the Core Fit Hiring System. Ryan, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Carl, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So we already talked ahead of this, and, and to those who are listening, I love the podcast process, and I love getting great guests. And I shortened our time ahead of this. So this will be a shorter podcast. But if we need, we're going to go to part two because Ryan has amazing good wisdom and is providing, is solving a problem that doesn't seem like people can solve, which is the challenge of hiring. Now, Ryan, why don't you give a little bit more depth about your business and, and how you're helping organizations out on a, on a regular basis? Sure. Yeah. You know, I... Quick little backstory. I grew up in entrepreneurial family. My dad was in manufacturing. He was an owner operator. I just remember all the crazy hours he worked and all the times he got called in. And what I realized as I grew up was that most entrepreneurs don't naturally have a knack for recruiting and retaining people. It's one of those things that they never got into the business of recruiting. They got into the business, do something else. And recruiting is something that happened to them. And they were almost forced into it. And it wasn't that my dad was a bad boss or that he didn't have a good team. It's that no one ever taught him the tools and the processes to make this work. And so what we do at Core Matters is we work directly with small and medium-sized business owners and help them develop a better recruiting process so that people are actually coming to them saying, I'm ready to join your team versus the way it's traditionally done, which is post to a job board and hope there's someone out there willing to bite. So that's interesting what you talked about there because- you're you're then talking in some ways about creating a, a organizations that's attractive to be at, right? That people want to actually be at that organization, combined with a strong process to get them to the company as well, right? That that's well organized, well thought through. So let's go into the attractive spot. What are the I know each company is different, right? And that by itself is one of the part, but what makes an organization attractive to be hired by somebody? Well, I think a lot of it just comes down to first knowing who you want to attract. We spend a lot of time in, in our business and our consulting talking about the importance of attracting with the right bait. And to throw a fishing analogy out there, right? Like if you're going to go catch a certain type of fish, you have to fish with the type of bait that that fish likes to eat. And I can't tell you how often people just take this generic HR job description, post it out there, and don't pay any attention to what's important to the people they want to attract. And 
it, it doesn't have to be like, I don't want people to think, oh, I've got to go get a new website and I've got to do all this cool stuff. And I've got to have a, a nap pod and playstations in my office. That's not what we're talking about. The truth is you're asking somebody to give up their time with their friends, their family, and the things they do for fun to come work for you. And if we can't create an environment for them, or most companies have this environment, be able to communicate that environment during the recruiting process so that they know it exists, people aren't going to be excited to join your team. They're not going to be excited to apply. And so it's really about making sure you're communicating to the right things to the right people. So, so that's interesting. So you clarify who you are, right? And you document that clearly. So then how do you do that next part of making sure you're attracting the right people, right? So they they are aware, right? They're aware that an organization exists and that yeah. they're hiring. So the first thing and the easiest thing for everybody to do is stop posting your jobs just on the job boards. Because the truth is, you're competing against everybody. You're competing against the Amazons and the Googles of the world. And you're competing against them. And guess what? They got bigger budgets than you. They got bigger teams than you. They're going to figure it out faster than you are. And they're willing to throw more money at it. So start looking at the places where you can go get in front of people when they're not on the job boards. So we spent a lot of time talking about passive job seekers, those people that are currently employed, but are open to a new opportunity. Well, Go, go hang out where they're hanging out. Go spend time where they're spending time. You know, it's one of the reasons that networking works so well in small businesses. We coach a lot of our, our clients who are in like a BNI group, like a networking group or a CEO group. Don't be known as the company that does the best at installing floor tile, which is what they all do. They all stand up and they say, hey, we install the best floor tile. No, stand up and say, hey, we're the company known for being the best team and having the best company culture and start asking your network for support there versus asking them for another client lead. So I got to imagine some people are like that. That's crazy. Right. Ryan, you know, what are you talking about? I just need to post more ads. I need to just put some more out, make sure that people are aware. So what type of results do you typically end up seeing different, you know, from a differentiator standpoint compared to the standards that people are, are doing? Well, what most people do is they wait until they have to hire to post mm -hmm. their job. Mm -hmm. And and then there's some companies out there that are, they'll always be recruiting, but they're still posting the same ads. Here's the truth. If I want to go catch some tuna fish and I go down to the local freshwater river, it doesn't matter how many hooks or how much bait or anything that I put into the river, there isn't tuna there. Right? Like I am not going to catch what I want. What I'm going to catch is some bottom feeders and some other stuff that's willing to eat whatever I put in the river. Right. But that's what we do when we're recruiting is we post the stuff out on the ads and we just think more is better. But if you think back to what your marketing team is probably telling you, if you're doing any kind of online advertising or SEO, more is not often better. Better is often better. <laughs> And it's the same thing here. If you want to get in front of those people, you got to make sure you're in the right places. And if you look at Indeed or you look at the job boards and not to knock the job boards, job boards are a huge part of our strategy. You've got to be there because every company, everybody listening right now is going to have that time when someone quits or gets sick or family wants to relocate 
and they have to leave. It's going to happen. So you have to be ready on a turn of a dime, get an ad out there and get people coming in. But what I would encourage you to do is start thinking about the long-term strategy. What can you do to build a pipeline or what we call a bench of willing and able candidates who maybe the timing isn't right for you or for them. And then when you do need to, you've essentially created your own little fishing pond that you can then go and just catch whoever you want because you've already talked to them. You've already built a relationship with them. They already know who you are. And just over time, eventually you won't have to go to the job boards. You won't have to feel like you're stuck. You can go fish in your own pond and grab all the best fish you want. Ryan, we were talking a little bit earlier and that's okay. I'm going to just throw something out, which might be unfair, but you talked about your new podcast. You're getting ready to go. And it's really clear now what your name should be. <laughs> fair enough, Carl. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just leave that as a hint for those that you can follow Ryan England, E-N-G-L-I-N. He's going to have a new podcast. And if you've been listening, you're going to know exactly what is named after this, because what you've been describing is a great analogy, once again, for how to deal with challenging business topics, which we're going to this concept of, of hiring. So even though today, right, it's interesting, unemployment has increased a little bit, right? There obviously had been more layoffs here in the beginning of 2023 than there have been in quite a while, you know, relatively speaking. And, and so there's a lot of fear out there about businesses. People aren't, some businesses and some organizations aren't hiring. So how do you play? I'm kind of curious. Do you play differently when there's more opportunity, so to speak, right? To there's more fish in the sea, so to speak, or yeah. fish in the pond to be able to get to versus it feels like all of the best people are already hired. Mm. Do you do you handle those challenges differently? Yes and no. So the process, when you think about your recruiting and your hiring process, that shouldn't change, regardless of what's happening out in the in the job market. But one of the things that does change is as we start seeing unemployment go up, and there are some parts of the country where unemployment's still going down. It's crazy. But when you start seeing unemployment go up, you tend to have more options as an employer. So that's an opportunity for you to take those B and C players that you've just been tolerating because you needed the extra set of hands and start having the real conversations with them. You need to hit these performance levels or we got a whole pond full of people that are ready to come replace you, right? So you get to have that opportunity. But I think an employer is gonna be attractive whether it's high unemployment or low unemployment because the things that are important to job seekers don't really change. They haven't changed in 50 years. And if we get really clear on the things that are important to the job seeker, then we don't have to constantly worry about what's happening in the job market. The right people are still going to be attracted to us. So you hit on an excellent question, which is what is a typical job seeker looking for? Well, I'll tell you that we, we've all heard the term ghosting. Have you heard the term ghosting? Oh, yes. That's a, so, and please explain it, Ryan, for those who don't know. What I will. Is. So for those of you that aren't a millennial, <laughs> because I think they coined the term, ghosting is basically when you're communicating with someone and then all of a sudden it just all stops. No explanation, no reason. There's no way to get a hold of them. You could drive by their house, knock on the door and they won't answer. Like it's done. And, you know, ghosting, I think, came out of this idea that people don't like to deal with difficult conversations. 
And so people just ghost. Well, the reality is two out of three job seekers will never hear back from one of the jobs that they've applied for. So as much as employers want to complain about, oh, all these candidates are ghosting me. Well, the reality is you've been ghosting them for way longer. <laughs> and they're just finally at the point where like, well, if they can ghost me and not reply to me when I apply for a job, well, then I can ghost them and not feel guilty about it. And so this ghosting thing goes both ways. And what job seekers want, I mean, take a step back for a second. So we do a lot of work in the frontline employee space. So think people that are making less than $30 an hour. Okay, that's where we do a lot. Everything from entry level to skilled labor to, to skilled associates, those kinds of things. These people, they don't have the luxury of time once they've made the decision to get another job. Or worst case, that decision was made for them because they were a victim of a layoff or they got let go. It's not like they can sit around and go, oh, I've got 30 days, which is about average for getting a new job in this country. I've got 30 days. My landlord will understand. <laughs> I don't need rent. Uh, you know, groceries. Oh, come on. We don't need to eat. It, they're not thinking that. They're thinking, how can I get a job as fast as possible? But what is the average time it takes for an employer to get back on someone that applies? Depending on the industry, it's somewhere between two and seven days. So if I apply for a job on a Monday, I might hear from you Wednesday, Thursday, but more likely I'm hearing from you next week. And if I'm unemployed or I need to make a switch now because I can't tolerate the person I'm working for, I don't have the luxury of time. And so I would say one of the number, the number one thing that job seekers want is they want good quality communication fast. You have to be fast. The reason that the big companies can hire faster than you is not because they're known. It's because they've got a process designed for speed. In fact, at the, the local warehouse here, Amazon has a process where if you apply, you are sent an offer letter immediately, automatic. They give you a day you're going to start. They tell you your wages and that's it. And then they put you through three weeks of onboarding because they've learned that it is cheaper and you'll get higher quality people. If you just say you got the job, half of them aren't going to show up for day one. So they had to spend no time dealing with that. Like, what do we do as employers? We spend time chasing these people. Half of them don't show up. And then by the time they're through three weeks of onboarding, guess what? They've already weeded out another half of them. And now they got the cream of the crop and it was cheaper and it was faster to do it that way. So if you're a small business owner, you can't compete in that. So you have to create processes to help with that communication. Speed that up. My One of my sons during actually the middle of COVID had this experience you had. He, he literally was the, he had like, he was like, oh my gosh, I got the job. <laughs> it's like so fast. <laughs> he was in high school at the time. And yeah. it was like, or so, I think it was, no, sorry, he was in college at the time. And it was just like, hey, why don't I take this opportunity? It was, it, he was, couldn't believe it, but he said that experience happened just what you described, where people just didn't show up, they ghosted yeah. it, and he was a ended up being a small group of people that ended up they maintained and kept right because yeah. they can trust them at the end of yeah. the day. So that's really inter interesting of reversing the the process expectation, right? Because you know at, what we're looking for is not just somebody to hire, but somebody that fits us. And the Absolutely. best way to learn if they fit us is actually by being with them than more than for a couple interviews. 
Yeah. Right. You learn a lot, whether they show up to work on time, whether they're have the right energy, excited to be there and actually we'll get the job done. Those are the people that we want as employers, right? On a regular basis then. But so let's go back to that employee side once again. So I loved how you talked about is that we as employers are not aware, right? Of this need, right? That they have to pay the rent to, to do the basics. Right. And, and once again, almost doesn't matter what level, I mean, to some degree, I mean, I know very wealthy people that they started cutting costs when, when the stock market went down. Yeah. Right. Even though they didn't need to, but their mindset was, is I, I have less money and it's by definition they did. Right. So they started cutting costs. And so they reacted in a very short, like almost this need way, way thing, but it's even more important where you're paycheck to paycheck type mm-hmm. situations. So you were talking about that one area, but now let's, let's talk about the, you're scouting the middle manager or executive. Yeah. Does your process change any for that? Is it the same process that you're doing, whether you're hiring your, your next VP of sales versus your construction line worker? Yeah. So the, the sourcing process may change a little bit because they, these people may not be looking for work, right? There's just not as big a pool of people that are actively looking for work. So when you're sourcing that, you might be connecting with people on LinkedIn. You might be doing a little bit of headhunting on your own. This is where recruiters come in a lot, you know, but I will tell you, I've never met somebody that I talk to and they're like, oh, this recruiter is incredible. Let me tell you about how awesome this recruiter is. Every time I need something, they feel it. It's the right person. That's never happened. But recruiters do serve a purpose. And especially when you get to the C-suite, that's really important. But when you're looking for that middle manager group, the process doesn't change. Maybe how you find them, maybe you, you can't just go, okay, here's the, the, the tried and true ponds that I've been fishing in. Like you can't just go there. Maybe you got to get a little bit, you know, get, get a little bit more creative and find some places. Employee referral programs are huge for that. We spend a lot of time talking about why most employee referral programs don't work and how to actually create ones that do. So that that's another thing. But as far as the recruiting, the interview, the hiring, the onboarding, that process is identical. The questions change. You know, you might have a different conversation with them. You might spend a little more time with them. Although that's something I always get a lot of people asking me, like, why wouldn't I spend, why should I spend more than 15 minutes with someone who's entry level? They're not going to be here that long. Or... Maybe they're not here that long because you don't spend more than 15 minutes with them. So you might spend a little more time with them. You might get to know them a little better. You might ask some more difficult questions, have a different conversation, but the process should be identical. It's really fascinating. You talked about that concept of being spending time, right? I, 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 I'm just going to do a comparison. I just, I, I want to, I'm curious to hear your, your reaction to it. Cause it's a very different realm, but the same concept it's recruiting. Mm-hmm. My, my, I was, my do- youngest daughter was fortunate enough to be involved in a recruiting process okay. for soccer to play college soccer. Yeah. And she talked with, I don't know, 20, 30 coaches, you know, in the process mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of went through and write between writing and other different communications. And when she got to the part of actually going on campus to visit, it was really interesting because some organizations would have where the, the, the high, the cap, the 
coach, the head coach would spend really only an hour or less, maybe a half an hour in total with recruit. While there was another organization that spent, actually ended up spending six hours with her. Wow. Guess, guess which school she ended up picking. I don't know why don't you tell us, Carl. <laughs> but it was, I'm not gonna say it was just the purpose of this right now, but but I get it. That's what happens, yeah. right? Is that yeah. that when you spend more time, right? You develop more relationship, you develop more connection, you end up hiring more. So how do you help the hiring managers to understand that their time is important and is important from the 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 perspective of those being hired? Yeah. You know, the the process is the same. The message or the analogy that we'll use will be different. But for sales, a great example. If, they, if they're hiring a sales team or they're hiring a salesperson and they're like, you know what? I don't have time to go spend time with this person who I'm going to ask to spend lots of time with my clients and my prospects. Right? So we just have a conversation with them. And it's hiring managers are a great one to push people off and say, I don't have time right now to meet with them. I'll, I'll do the interview next week. And my, con- my question to them is always the same. How long would you let a warm lead sit in a pipeline for a customer? And no one's ever told me more than 15 minutes. Wow. So, so why is it that we would let a warm lead of someone who's actually going to manage your warm leads sit longer than 15 minutes? And so all of a sudden they're like, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I'm like, that's why we need to think of it that way. The other one too is we talk about how fast do you want someone to be productive? Like we, there's this expectation that when I hire a skilled person, they're going to hit the ground running day one and they're going to be super productive, super profitable. The, the truth is after about six months, they're about 50% of the way there. All the stuff. Say that shows. again. Say that again. That is a, don't repeat that stat. That's a huge stat. Yeah. So everybody expects people to hit the ground running, but the truth, the reality is when you look at all the studies, they're only about 50% of the way to full productivity after six months. I love that. Thank you. I love that stat. And how long though, does it take for them to get to quote unquote, in general, full productivity? It depends on the role. Sure. Right. So your, your CFO is going to probably take longer than a customer service rep, but some, the, the lowest I've ever seen is nine months to get full productivity. They know their way around the company. They know their way around the problems. They know who can help them resolve them. I mean, think about what a new employee has to learn to come work for you. It's not just doing the work. They have to learn to do the work your way. And that can take a lot of time. And then for them to be confident with it and to be comfortable in the way they make decisions and the way they solve problems, that can take even longer. That's right. So I, you know, love this concept of, right. This is where, when we, when we just think somebody new is going to solve our problem Mm -hmm. right away. Right. And so we get so excited. Oh, this, this, Sally is going to come in and just change the world, right? <laughs> and and she might be amazing. She might yeah. be literally amazing. But you just said here, in best case scenario of a relatively low level, low level experience with good training built in, it's going to take nine months for them to be fully productive. Mm-hmm. So let's turn to the other side of the table, which is the retention side for just a minute. 
Yeah. So do you, because you can make an argument right there. The most important people is who you currently have mm -hmm. and understanding that side. So do you work at all? I'm kind of curious on, as you're working on the attraction and getting people excited to be there, do you work at all with the understanding of them, the organization by going, oh, wow, some of our best talent is literally what we already have. Mm -hmm. How did, I'm kind of curious if you work at all with that stage or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what we found, this is what we found just in our own, in just doing our work and our own research, is that most companies can solve about half of their retention issues just by making better hiring decisions. There's two parts to somebody being on your team. Number one, can they do the job? Do they have the skills? Does their, does their brain com you know, comprehend what they need to do? Are they willing to go get new knowledge around the work? But then there's a whole nother side of it. Because you remember, they're giving up time with their friends and their family and the things they do for fun. So now that's that culture fit. Do they fit our team? Do they feel like they belong here? And if there's not a sense of belonging, I don't care how good of an employee they are, they are not going to be productive. They're not going to be a profitable employee. So what we've found is we often, when we get really clear on the company's employer brand and their culture and how they communicate it, what we often find is that they've made some hires that while they might be a great employee, they don't fit. And that friction that they've had since the day they've shown up is because of that. They're forcing someone to be a part of a team that they don't really want to be a part of, even though they might be a good skilled worker. And once they get really clear on who they are as an organization, the type of culture that they want to create, you can make way better hiring decisions because now you're bringing people in that fit that. And so you can solve a lot of your retention issues just right there. But I'll tell you, we use engagement as a way to measure retention, like who's most likely to leave. And I don't know if you've heard of Gallup's Q12. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I, the number is somewhere in the 80%. It's escaping me right now, but it's high. But there's one question on that assessment that pretty much says if this is going to be an engaged employee or not. You ever heard this before? I have, but please, please share. Yeah. So there's a question. It's actually question number 10. And by the way, if you don't know what the Gallup Q12 is, it's an engagement survey just to see how well your, your people are engaging, not just with the work, but also with the company. But question number 10 is, do you have a best friend at work? And those that say yes, have an 80 plus percent greater chance of engagement than those that say no. Why? Because people want to work with people they like. They want to spend time with people they like, and you're asking them to give up time with people they like to come work for you. And if they don't like the people there, they're not going to be engaged. And if they're not engaged, they're not productive. And if they're not productive, they're not profitable. And so the reality is we have to create a company culture and we have to be very mindful of the fact that our people are giving up the things they enjoy to come work for you. So you have to make it so that they enjoy spending time there. Ryan, we are going to have to have a part two because there is so much more I want to ask. This has been tremendous. I, I do want to ask one thing because we're going to ask more of this and talk more about your personal background and how you got into this in the next yeah. episode. But, but from the business perspective, what is the most important measure of how you measure success with your clients? Mm. 
you know, everybody wants to measure something a little different, but I will tell you the one that I get most excited about is, am I seeing myself become more profitable? Not, not am I increasing revenue or am I, am I becoming more profitable because the team I'm building? Can I directly relate my increased profitability back to the team? To me, that is one of the, mo the best ways to measure success in, in the work that we do. That's fantastic. Great answer, Ryan. We, I said we have our book question. We always ask, but we're going to save that for our next opportunity. Ryan, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure Success podcast today. Thank you. And to everyone else who's listening, as I said, this is Ryan England from Core Matters. And, and Ryan, how can people connect and learn more about you? CoreMatters.com. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there as well. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being a guest today. And as I said, well, we're looking forward to the next one. To where everyone else is listening, we, we just always are grateful for what you do to help contribute, to rate our podcast as we continue to grow on a successful basis, having great guests like Ryan that we have to hear today. And to everyone else is listening, we're wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.